If what you believe, what you say, how you act causes young people, kids, kids, to think they shouldn't be here anymore, shouldn't be alive, you are wrong. Full stop. It is not from God. It is evil. Um, there is a moment usually uh, when some kind of news or national tragedy erupts on a Friday, which seems to happen, statistically feels like it happens more often than other days, um, where pastors look at their faithful work around a text and question whether they need to throw it out and start over, modify, or keep it as is. We are taught as preachers in seminary that we should preach with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. That is one of the things we are taught. I know there are many who would say preachers should stay out of politics altogether. I would like to note that is impossible. <laughs> As Christians, we are citizens of God's kingdom eternally and of wherever we live nationally, temporarily. Our faith affects the way we live, the way we act, and the way we vote. It is necessary and important to distinguish that the Christian faith, while political, must never be partisan. To put it another way, if you ever find yourself believing any particular political party has advanced a platform that is in full alignment with the gospel of Christ, you have created an idol. And God has some things to say about idols. So I want to be clear that while it was very tempting for me to throw out my pride sermon this morning in favor of preaching on bodily autonomy or anything else surrounding Friday's Supreme Court decision, I found myself instead not wanting to pull back from what I feel like somehow became more important today. Partly because I am unprepared uh, too raw, too angry, it's too new <laughs> to talk about what happened on Friday. Uh, and I do feel like I personally am too partisan to do that kind of sermon any sort of justice. But what I can preach today is a reminder of what it means for us as people of God to live in the freedom of Christ for the sake of each other. I can, from this place, remind us that our call to care for those who have been excluded from the community is now more important than ever. This Pride Sermon on Pride Weekend remains. You were called to freedom, siblings. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law, is summed up in a single commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Paul wrote these words in front of us today as a part of a whole letter to the churches, plural, in Galatia. It is pretty easy to take anything Paul writes out of its context. In fact, I would venture to say Paul's letters are the most misused scriptures in the entirety of the Bible. People love to pick and choose and cherry-pick and use them as weapons or paint them on walls behind couches. Paul was always writing to a specific community of people in a particular place and in a particular time. 
We cannot ignore this while we read any section of Paul's letters, any section of scripture for that matter, and we should not remove it from our work when we try to figure out what it might have to say to us now. When we understand the people, places, and time to which Paul was writing, then we can think about what people and places in our time might have similar questions or clarifications that Paul's words can speak to. It's important to note that whenever we are spending time in an epistle, that's the fancy Bible word for letter, Pauline or not, we are only getting half the story. Reading a letter by nature gives us only one side of a conversation. It leaves us trying to figure out what questions were asked in the first letter that the writer is trying to answer in their response. All this to say we cannot take what we read or hear at face value. So we will start right there. Paul had been to the region of Galatia. He had helped set up multiple churches around this region. But when he left, the people in Paul began to stray from his grace-centered teachings, and they moved to follow other preachers who were there in Galatia with more legalistic law-based teachings. These teachers were teaching that for someone to be considered a real believer, for their conversion to be real, they had to observe certain rules and rituals. These new followers in Galatia were being told to follow Mosaic law, or their Christian conversion did not count. Now, it seems pretty clear from Paul's words that the Galatians were happy to have some rules to follow some doctrine to get behind, and leave some of the teachings of Paul behind. Paul wrote to these churches in Galatia to not fall back on the old ways of doing things. Don't trap yourselves in rules and laws, but remain free. Paul speaks passionately about the law not being what saves you, but Christ being the one who sets you free. This whole book is filled with reminders that we are freed by Christ from the weight of the law, the pressure to do things, to earn our salvation, to work our way into God's grace, to good standing with God. Paul speaks of freedom all over this book and sets up an almost constant contrast between the way God operates and the way we operate. He uses the words flesh and spirit to distinguish between the two. And I want to make a very clear and strong distinction here. This does not mean, as sometimes we can read this, bodies are bad, God is good, right? That's, that's not how this should be interpreted. This does not mean people are bad, God is good, flesh is bad, spirit is good. That's not what's being set up here. Paul is trying to clarify that the way God operates in the world looks very different than anything else. Now, do I kind of want to sit down with Paul and ask him why he chose these words to make this argument? Yeah, yeah, I have some thoughts on that. But when we understand the context to which he was speaking, it makes a little bit more sense. He spent his time with these new churches in Galatia teaching them about the freedom found in the gospel of Jesus. Because Jesus lives, we shall live also, he says. 
It's almost impossible to read any, not just the letter to the Galatians, but any of Paul's letters and not find these kinds of words of grace around the person of Jesus. Jesus came to free you. Therefore, because Jesus came, we are free. Paul writes in this circular language sometimes that can be confusing to listen to or read. And I kind of think he was just so passionate that he couldn't handle his words and he got, he got out there. And as a person who gets passionate and can't handle my words, I like that about Paul. So that is where we find ourselves in Galatia this morning. People had started these communities, these churches, based on this gospel of Jesus. And the old guard came in and said, actually, it doesn't count unless it looks like this. They listed outward symbols like circumcision and observing the Sabbath and strict adherence to the law. And Paul had a few things to say about laws that govern people's bodies. Let me tell you, it was hard to not take a sharp detour there today, but I did not. To those rules and laws, Paul says, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke, to the weight of the slavery that is in the law. Basically, this means don't go back to working so hard to be good enough for God. You are already good enough. One of the nerdy things I love about this fifth chapter in Galatians is that there are no conditional phrases in the original Greek. Now, if you need a quick grammar refresh, let me remind you that a conditional phrase is an if-then statement, a condition. If you do this, then this thing will happen. Even where our own translations, our own faithful translations, put if and then, they do not exist in the original language. Instead, there are only Imperatives and statements of fact, we call them. There is not a single if-then. A quick example in verse 14, if you are led by the Spirit, then you are not subject to the law. The better translation of this word in the Greek is an imperative, would be the word since. Listen how that changes this. Since you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Very different, isn't it? That makes this whole section of Paul's letter very different than sometimes we hear it. What he is saying is the Spirit is already there, is already with you, is already leading you, already setting you free over and over and over again. Every time you take on a rule, the Spirit sets you free again, constantly, over and over. This action of the Spirit is not dependent on your faith, or your actions, or how well you follow the rules. And as a really good rule follower, I find this very frustrating. Paul says, since you are led by the Spirit, the old rules do not apply in the same way. The law has a place and a job to do, yes, but it cannot set you free. Only love can do that. Paul is making it so clear, so clear that the life of the Spirit looks a certain way, and that way looks a lot like love. The whole law is summed up in a single commandment, he says. Remember, Jesus told us this. If you want to follow the rules so bad, here's one. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you remember nothing else, remember this. 
Christ sets you free so you might love. If it is not love, then you aren't really free. If what is around you and in you and coming out of you is not love, then you are not free. Freedom creates love. Love creates freedom. And then Paul gives a list, a list of the ways of being in the world that are not free, ways of being in the world that are love. And we, of course, as people, have immediately ruined these two lists, made them a checklist of sorts that we hold up as a tool of judgment or a way to evaluate ourselves and those around us instead of what Paul is asking us to do. These two lists are about our shared life together. This is not an individual command. We've already gotten the one individual command, love your neighbor, that's it, that's the only command we're given. The rest of this text is a communal letter. It is a communal text. It is about what the community of faith looks like in the world. When the Spirit is present with us and in us and around us, which remember Paul says is already happening, then what comes out of us, not you individually, but the community, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul says there are no laws about these things because who would want to limit any of them? But there are laws about these other things because when you have quarrels or enmity or strife or jealousy or factions, you are breaking the community. It is not you are now bad, it is you are hurting the community. Love of your neighbor is communal. The community benefits from the freedom given to us in Christ. It benefits from this kind of love. It is not personal, it is communal. Author and theologian Elizabeth Johnson says, Paul offers a radically different understanding of freedom. The freedom Christ gives is not freedom for self-indulgence, but freedom from yourself to serve others. This is the freedom in which life in community flourishes. I love that word, flourish. It's such a good word. So whatever is being produced by your community, that, what, that is what tells you what is leading your community. Is it yourself, your self-interest, your politics, your need to remain in power, your desire to judge others? Or is it the spirit? the Spirit of God who is already here, are we letting that Spirit lead us? Fun side note, uh, literally every commentary written about Galatians 5 reminds us that the word fruit is singular. It's not fruits, multiple of the Spirit, it is one fruit of the Spirit. You cannot have one without the other. This is a big list of nine things. Feels like we can sort of pick and choose like, oh, I was kind today, I did it. Check mark me, right? That's not how this works. You don't get to say you're really good at one of these and kind of bad at the other, but that's okay because this covers this and this covers this, right? It's not pick and choose here. It is all at once. We are a both and people. We understand this. My favorite such commentary about this was by Wesley Theological Seminary Professor Carla Works. She said, we often place this list of spiritual gifts into an inventory. 
but that grossly misses the point. Paul uses the word fruit in the singular. In other words, the result of the Spirit's work is all of the above and more. We don't get to pick and choose, neither do the Galatians. So how then will the Galatians know they are a people being transformed? People of promise, the children of God clothed in Christ, because they are a people who bear one another's burdens, love one another as Christ loved them. They are fulfilling the intention of the law, which is to love their neighbor. So you might be wondering, what does this all have to do with pride? Let's talk about this fruit in relation to this particular time and place and people based on what we know about Paul's particular time and place and people. We've established the Galatians were needing to be reminded that the reason Christ set them free was for love, right? Not so they might turn around and use that freedom to harm others or take care of themselves, but true freedom is shown as love. And the result is that beautiful word, flourishing of the community. In research done by the Trevor Project, it has been determined that, you guys, I'm going to probably cry when I say these because these statistics break me every time. So I'm just going to warn you, if you have a Kleenex, you might want to get it out right now. LGBTQ youth, uh, young people ages 13 to 24 are four times more likely to attempt suicide than their peers. Four times. If they are a queer kid of color, that goes up to 12. One LGBTQ kid attempts suicide every 45 seconds. I hope you're crying right now. This is devastating. Does it sound like flourishing? These stats exist not because Identifying as LGBTQ suddenly makes someone more prone to self-harm, but because these young people speak the truth about who they are, and then the community around them, their families, their neighborhoods, and their churches give them the message that who they are is not okay. This is not love. This is certainly not the flourishing of the community. When anyone anyone believes that the church, the community faith, is the bearer of such a message, we have done something very, very wrong. Nowhere in this list does it say the fruit of the Spirit is death. Nowhere. And I know there are people who have left this congregation because of our stance, my stance, the congregation's stance from the pulpit, from the staff, from the leadership on being welcoming and affirming of anyone in the LGBTQ community. I know some of you sitting here or watching online might still be on the fence about this, and I'm here to give you just a little push. There is no argument you can make, not a single one, that will make me believe telling anyone of any age or any gender or sexuality that who they are is not okay. And you cannot make me believe that that is anything else than evil, pure evil. It is not love. If what you believe, what you say, how you act causes young people, kids, kids, to think they shouldn't be here anymore, shouldn't be alive, you are wrong. Full stop. It is not from God, it is evil.
To anyone here this morning in person or online who identifies as a part of the LGBTQ community, you might be feeling a little less safe this week. You might be struggling with how the church has not loved you as you are. So I ask you to hear me say, I'm sorry. On behalf of this community of faith and the Big C Church, I'm so sorry. As an ordained minister of the Church of God and by God's authority, hear me say loudly and clearly to you and you alone, you are a beloved child of God. Just as you are, you deserve to be whole and free. You are loved. You are enough. You are already more than enough. If that's not you, if you don't identify as someone a part of this community, a part of the queer community, but you want to know how you can help, let me give you one simple thing we are going to do together. The easiest way to lower those horrific statistics is affirming spaces and people. Only 37% of queer kids say their home is affirming. The number for their church being affirming is even lower. You might remember that the Pew Research Center found the first two words associated with Christianity are not love or grace or even Jesus somehow, but hypocritical and homophobic. We can do better. We are called to do better. These verses from Paul call us to do better. They remind us there are no laws against love in the kingdom of God. And when we love like God loves, everything changes. The world changes. Now listen, having even just one, one accepting adult in their life can lower suicide risk for LGBTQ youth by 40%. 40. One person. Imagine what a community of people can do. Having their pronouns respected by the people in their life reduces suicide rates by half. Half. Do you know how easy it is to do that? Hi, my name's Natalia. My preferred pronouns are she and her. I'm going to ask you to try it. Are you ready? Turn to the person next to you and say, hi. Say your name and say what your pronouns are. The pronoun is she, her, he, his, theirs, them, they. Those are pronouns in case you need another grammar refresh. Do it right now. We're going to practice. Practice in here. We go out there. Go. You can do it. If you're by yourself, you just say it nice and loud by yourself. Do it. This is such a simple action that you can do out in the world, and it can actually save the life of somebody around you. Can you imagine that? So easy, so easy. And it can save someone's life. What I love, just personally, about Pride, Pride Month, Pride Weekend, Pride Festival, um, the festivals and the parades in particular, but really the whole thing, uh, I love that the freedom we witness when people get to be fully who they're created to be. 
when they finally aren't held to a set of rules where people say you have to look like this and love like this and dress like this and act like this in order to be good or loved or free. Watching someone embrace who they are with enthusiastic joy is to watch the kingdom of God at work. It is life and love and joy everywhere you look. It is fruit season at pride. When we love wholly, love people for who they are without conditions, without rules or laws, hemming people in and requiring them to earn our love, that is the fruit Paul is talking about. It is the kind of fruit that can sustain a whole community. We are in this time after Pentecost in the church, and all of our time in this season, the whole season that has the green, remember I got really excited about pyramids in my COVID sermon, here we are, pyramids, the green is a season of growth, that's why it's green. Our whole time in this season is spent wondering about and being curious about what it means to live in the Spirit's presence, with the Spirit among us. Paul gives us a pretty clear idea of what that looks like today. It's not traits you have, but a way we move in the world with freedom to love in such a way that it sets everyone else free around us. And what moves us from this place where we practice that kind of love out into the world, this is why Christ came to set you free from the rules and laws that make you feel like you have to earn God's love, to work yourself into the good graces of God. Christ came to set you free so that all, all we have to do is love others as much as God loves you. So today, I wanna make it perfectly clear, in this place, in this community of faith, in this church, we love first. In this place, we will call you by your chosen name, using your chosen pronouns. We will call you beloved child of God and we will mean it every time. In this place, every single one of you is more than just welcome. You are free and you are loved. Amen. All right, I have a, a pastor friend in the cities. We've talked about her before, Pastor Mayton. Maybe we'll invite her here sometime because I talk about her enough. Maybe you guys should meet her sometime. Um, but Pastor Mayton wrote this beautiful blessing for Pride Weekend that I would like to end with this morning. And as, as you leave, Pastor Jenny and I are going to be right outside the doors with some glitter blessings. Um, you, you, can, you don't have, it's opt-in. It's challenged by choice, guys. You don't have to do it. But as you're walking by, we will give you a blessing. We'll put glitter on your hand or on your forehead if you want to really have it with you, or we'll throw it at you and you'll be finding it for three weeks, whatever you want. Um, 
Because we love Jaime, we're doing it outside. That's why we're doing it outside. But we will be doing this glitter blessing. If you would like a little cross or heart of glitter on your hand or your cheek or wherever, we are happy to do it. If you don't want glitter but you still want that blessing, we'll be right outside the doors whenever you leave to give you that blessing. And it was a good reminder that we take this love and it keeps sticking to us as we go out into the world. We find it weeks later wondering, how did that get there? I thought I got rid of it all, right? That's how glitter works. That's how the love of God works in the world. And we want you to be reminded of this glitter. It's rainbow glitter because it is pride and that's why we're doing it. Um, okay, so here's our blessing from Pastor Meta. Today is for the senses, for layers of reasons to believe the world is better because you are here and you are whole. Unapologetically and completely, every expression of you, the right amount of you, every confession of you, the bright content of you. Today is for remembering those who made a way home to themselves and another, who cleared the right paths with bricks and glitter, who knew how much it mattered to be to matter, to set love free, to honor your skin and story with recognition and pride. Today is for bodies free and full color, full stop. For this world glows when curious delight overwhelms, outshines and outlasts the whispers of everything that tries to stand in the way of your beauty and your freedom, your fullness that will not be categorized or confined by this world or the next. With that, we take this love we have received that is with us and in us and among us, out with us into the world as we go in peace to love and serve the Lord.